0: Gentlemen, boys, and girls, and children over the age of 21, welcome to the Hop Nation USA podcast. My name is Sam, and we are all here for episode 13. Lucky number 13,
1: Steve. How you feeling today, buddy? Lucky number 13. Uh, Is there some sort of superstition that this could be a bad thing? No.
0: You know, according to Taylor Swift, this could actually be a good thing because. Her lucky number is 13, and she has been pretty successful in life so far, so I, I think this is actually a good thing
1: if we're thinking of it in the T Swizzle style. Okay, see, I don't know Tay Sweezy's um, outlook on life, but uh, if she says 13 is good, then let's go with that. Sometimes during her concert, she actually writes the number 13 on the back of her hand just for good luck. You know what? That actually sounds kind of like emo edgy. Like something uh, Burt McCracken from The Used would do. <laughs> Maybe she got that from him. I bet that thief.
0: <laughs> so that is my co-host Steve, as, as you already know. And unfortunately, we do not have a third co-host here today. Adam is out of town this week, so it's just going to be me. Steve, and the whole audience, all of you guys, you get to just listen to our beautiful voices all episode long. And the show must go on. The show must go on. So Adam will be back next week, but for now, you got us. And what else you got for this episode is something that goes up something like this. Dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun, dun 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 here it goes up. That's a good theme song, <laughs> right? That's that's what I'm going to start doing for every episode. Now I'm going to start creating theme songs in my head on the spot, based on what we're talking about in the show, and we're just going to kind of roll with them because I know nobody's going to have any of these copyrighted already.
1: Exactly. Uh, you can even start selling those as stock music for other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can make a little money. Finally,
0: thirteen Finally. episodes in, I have not made a dime. Nobody has sent free beer, I've made no money, but we're still coming back every week to entertain everybody, so... Consider yourselves lucky say (laughs) thank you once in a while. (laughs) Exactly. So, as I kind of alluded to in my theme song already, today's episode theme is Goza beers. So, Goza is a theme that we previously have not done on the show before, so... The three beers that we're going to be drinking on today's episode are all from the Goza family of beers. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term Goza, think about the last time you were in a bar or a restaurant and you were looking at a draft list and you were looking at that menu and you saw a style of beer called Goze is probably what you were thinking, G-O-S-E. And you're wondering, how in the world do I pronounce this? Is it goes? Is it Goza? Is it Goze? What is the correct pronunciation, and what the hell is this style of beer? Did they mistype Goose? <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it should be Goose, and they should add another O in there as well. But this style of beer is actually pronounced Goza and it's one of the oldest styles of beer that actually is a German style sour beer that dates back to the 1700s. So Gozas are really making kind of a comeback, if you will, these days. And one of the interesting things about Gozas is to be a true Goza, you have to be brewed with certain ingredients. So we all know that beers are brewed with types of grains. And normally, it's barley or a wheat. So Gozas are primarily wheat beers, but what makes them interesting and what kind of gives them their sour flavor is that they are also made with coriander and some type of sea salt. Whether that's your traditional sea salt or a pink Himal- Himalayan sea salt, um, that's what kind of gives them their sour taste. Do you know that, Steve?
1: Yeah, and I also know that they're um, specifically top fermented, and it's not just... All the other ingredients that you mentioned, but there's a, a specific bacteria that also gives it its sourness and its acidity. Oh, yeah? It's, it, yeah, it's a it's a lactic acid that uh, isn't boiled off in, oh, the, okay. in the brew process. Yeah, and they just kind of let that sit on top, you know, as it top ferments with the yeast, and that adds to the acidity. So kind of like a sour milk or a sour, mm-hmm. spoiled yogurt. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, doesn't that
0: sound lovely in a beer? <laughs> But interestingly enough, the style is really making a resurgence these days, and a lot of the big-name craft breweries are really getting in on this style of beer. So we thought today we would introduce that style to everybody and really get you excited for Goza's, because they are a great summertime beer. All right, so why don't you start us off and introduce our first Goza. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to be drinking today is actually from a brewery that we have not featured on the show before, uh, but is one of the true staples in the craft beer community, and one of the largest breweries in the country that has yet to be purchased by InBev, or one of their <laughs> competitors, and that is Sierra Nevada. You can find them in probably all 50 states, um, but most importantly, they, have, they are still independent. Similar to like a Yingling or a yeah. Sam Adams, they,
1: they are really just doing their own thing and, and finding ways to produce and distribute their beers throughout the country. Yeah, if I had to guess, Sierra Nevada is pretty much like the Sam Adams of the West. Yeah. If I had to categorize them. Uh, you see their beers everywhere. A lot of their staple beers you can get, again, probably every state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. They,
0: and as Steve alluded to, they're from Chico, California. So the beer that we're going to be trying from Sierra Nevada today is our first Goza of the show, and it is called the Otra Vase. And this is a particularly interesting beer because it is brewed with cactus and grapefruit. So just take a minute to think, when was the last time you've had a beer brewed with cactus? (laughs) Any
1: takers? (laughs) I'm looking at you, Steve. Uh, Is it uh, similar to agave? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So so
0: based on the bottle, the description says, This combines a zip of prickly pear cactus with a hint of grapefruit for a bright and thirst-quenching finish. So what we can expect is kind of a fruity, kind of a sour style of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, generally gozas are lower in abv and the alcohol content on this one is actually four and a half percent so these are great summer beers you can drink a lot of them um they're not going to get you too drunk very similar in abv to something
1: like a bud light or a miller yeah.
0: light something like that
1: yeah if you've heard us use the phrase session ale most gozas are going to be session ales in that they're very just light in abv and easy drinkers Absolutely. So I'm very excited to see what this
0: beer is going to taste like. So we're going to pop the top here. And pour up a couple uh, couple beers here for me and Esteban, and we'll see what, uh, see what this bad boy has to offer. Did you just pour me a glass of champagne? I, what? It, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. This beer is incredibly clear. It's very bubbly, like a champagne.
1: Yeah. What does it smell like? Uh, It smells a little bit sour, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's sour but kind of clean. Now, I have been
0: incredibly congested lately, so my (laughs) nostrils are not working as well as they normally do, but I I can smell some of those sour flavors that are coming off the top. Yeah, I'm
1: just going to take a taste this. Mmm. I like that a lot. Can you taste the cactus? I guess. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like, there's... Cactus isn't really a flavor I could pick out if you just just say pick out cactus, but I assume that among the flavors, I do taste the grapefruit, Mm -hmm. and that tastes completely separate from this other flavor I'm getting. Which must be the cactus. Right. (laughs) By reason of elimination. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, this is actually
0: very, very refreshing. I'm getting... of some fruit flavors a little bit of grapefruit but not too tart no and kind of getting some other sweetness on the front end finishing very solid on the back end does not leave any type of hoppy aftertaste in your mouth and i guess that's a traditional style of goza is that they're not going to be Mm -mm. very high in ibus very low actually yeah which is interesting because this is the episode that Adam is not with us yet. We're drinking beers all
1: episode that pretty much have the lowest IBUs you can find. Uh, yeah, just about. I mean, outside of stouts and porters, <laughs> this is yeah. I really enjoy this though because, like you said, it has that kind of after finish that it doesn't linger too much or anything. It just kind of melts away. Yeah, and it's not like it's not too dry and it's not. I don't know. It's just very good at what it does.
0: Yeah, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this beer. It's uh, it's very clean, it's very drinkable, it's something that you can definitely enjoy on your patio during the summer months. Yeah, absolutely. So what's going on, Esteban? What's new and exciting in the world of craft beer? We just came off of a hot Memorial Day weekend. Did you do anything fun and
1: exciting? Um, Not too much. Didn't get too wild and crazy. I took a trip to JR's Beer Warehouse out in Rochester, though. You know what's funny about that? Yeah. I took the same trip. Really? This weekend. But not with me. (laughs) But not with you. Now, if you listen to our mini-sode, we had that night DJ from Montana, the Nocturnal Fox. Oh, the Nocturnal Fox. He was funny. I liked him. He was a great guest for the show. He was a great guest. And he had actually bought for the show uh, a Dragon's Milk Mexican Reserve. uh, Wait, Dragon's Milk Reserve Mexican Spice Cake. There, I'll get it. (laughs) It's a large title. For yeah, a beer. right. But uh, he actually bought that and was kind enough to review it for a minisode. So he, and he liked and, it. He liked it a lot, and he gave me some after the show. And I have to say that was a pretty good thing. I I liked it as well. He got it from JR's Beer Warehouse apparently because they're doing crowlers on tap. So for those that are unaware, JR's Beer Warehouse is a
0: beer warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> and a true beer warehouse. <laughs> Out of Rochester, Pennsylvania, yeah. so about, uh, maybe about an hour west of Pittsburgh or something like that. I mean, I I think it's a little less. Maybe 45 you, yeah, minutes. Yeah, you jump on 65, you can get there pretty quick. But it is, a, it is a fantastic place to buy a beer, and the interesting thing about JRs is they they have now, as Steve mentioned, a crawler system, but they also have just put in a bunch of coolers, yeah. and you can buy 6-packs, 12-packs, cases, and they have some great,
1: great craft beer that you can find there. They really do. And, like, even before they put all that stuff in, they also had, like, homebrew equipment. And, uh, like, it was pretty much the only place, I think, in Beaver County that had homebrew equipment. They pretty much have a full homebrew equipment store in yeah. the back of that. Yeah. They have everything now. Any kind of craft beer, any kind of regular beer, crowlers. I think the only thing you can't get now is growlers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but,
0: interestingly enough. Or drafts.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe you could ask. I didn't think to
0: ask. Because <laughs> I saw, when I was in there, I saw their Crowler system, and I wanted, uh, the beers they have on tap are amazing. Mm-hmm. They're very rare, hard-to-find beers, and I really wanted to just ask them for a couple samples because I didn't want to pay 10 bucks per Crowler just right. to see, you know, if, I, if I'd like the beer or not. Normally I would, but I was yeah. going to my parents afterwards, and I was picking up my mom's beer, whatever. And I really wanted to try some samples, but I actually ran into JR there okay. and was, was chatting with them. And he was telling us about the crawler system and you know how it was doing very well for his business, but I should have asked him. I'm like, dude, give me a couple samples of. This. <laughs> I'm already purchasing a bunch of stuff from your beer warehouse. Like yeah. can I at least have a couple
1: samples of these awesome beers you have? I mean, I think they'd be willing to do that? I think they would. Their prices get pretty good too, when like they're getting down to the last of a keg. Mm-hmm. i've seen I've seen a lot of rare stuff that you're just like you were just mentioning, how they have rare stuff on the tap. I've seen a lot of that rare stuff go down to, like, 4 bucks for a crawler.
0: Yeah, I noticed that when I was there. They had a couple beers that were very, very low in price. It was only 4 bucks for a crawler. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the name of the brewery, but it was something, it was a stout that they were offering. And I'm assuming it may have been coming off the winter months, and they right. were just trying to get rid of it. But 4 bucks
1: for a crawler, you can't beat that. Yeah, and if you're unlike Sam and you have the untapped app, you can actually follow what their menu system is. What they actually have on tap currently and what's coming up on tap, Mm -hmm. on untapped, if you got all that. (laughs) Which is
0: a pretty interesting concept. It's nice to keep your customers informed as to what you actually have upcoming. And I actually put a special request in there because they take special requests. And I put a request for the
1: Imperial Doom, which is Founders Barrel Aged IPA. Yeah, that's... An exciting beer coming up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's out already, but we haven't seen it yet. We haven't
0: seen it. I know JR's hasn't got it yet, and I put
1: my name on the waiting list to say, hey, if you get this beer, give me a call. I'm coming down, and I'm going to get this. Oh, I'm I'm pretty sure they'll take care of you because I got first year the Southern Tier Warlock came out, did the same exact thing. They special ordered, like, cases. and like nice. it was, Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, me and a buddy from work, we went on a case, and then they brought in, you know, a couple other cases. It, yeah. It went quick. <laughs>
0: That's how the Warlock went when it first came out. Now you can pretty much get it anywhere. Now you can get it anytime. Yeah. So one thing that I found when I was down there that I was absolutely ecstatic about was the Walua Wheat from Kona Brewing Company. Okay. And if you're a fan of the show, you probably heard me talk about this before, about my trip to Hawaii when I went and visited the Kona Brewing Company. And Walua Wheat was previously, until this summer, a beer that you could only get in Hawaii and they have finally brought it to the States. It's their Passion Fruit IPA, and I was ecstatic when I saw it at JR's for the first time because it is by far my favorite Kona beer, and it was actually one of the inspiration for my homebrews, the Passion Fruit IPA, Um, and one of the first true beers to start brewing or excuse me, one of the first beers to start utilizing passion fruit mm-hmm. um, in the fermentation, giving, giving it that flavor. And now, if you go out you know, to your local beer distributor, you can find multiple beers that are using passion fruit. Uh, but they're finally distributing that beer in the States, and I was just absolutely ecstatic to see it. And my wife and I immediately picked up a
1: six-pack of it. See, I think that, one, I think that's a testament to JR, knowing what the order. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, how do they decide... Who gets kegs? Like how do they decide from Hawaii, Pennsylvania can have you can have a keg. Well <laughs> this you... wasn't kegs,
0: this was a six pack.
1: Oh, it was a six pack? Oh okay. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought we were still on the crowder system, but no, you found it in a six pack. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Even what... still he's you know, JR knows the order <laughs> mm-hmm. what the order. What's interesting
0: with Kona Brewing, and anyone can call my bluff on this, but I have never seen a keg of Kona Brewing in the United States. Because when we went to the Kona Brewing Company, mm-hmm. they only can and keg on the island. They do all of their bottling, even for Hawaii-only beer, in the States. Right. And they actually bottle everything here and ship it over because it's cheaper. Right. So this was actually uh, found in bottles. And it was great, too, because at JR's, it was only 10 bucks for a six-pack. And it is well worth every penny of that 10 bucks. because this beer is truly amazing. Great summer beer. I was yeah. so excited to, to see it. Very cool. the best beer I had at Kona Brewing Company when I was over there. Very cool. I might, t- I might take a run down there. It's been a while since I've had a Kona beer, really. And I was actually reading about Kona the other day, and it said... I read that they were the eighth largest producer of beer in the United States in terms of craft breweries. Huh. Which is very surprising, but they have kind of a strange partnership with InBev that allows them to use InBev's distribution networks.
1: Okay. But... InBev cannot in any way alter the beer recipes. Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense as to how they're able to distribute all the way to like Pennsylvania. Mhm. You know, cuz again, like there's a whole there's a whole ton of like Oregon and California breweries we never see out here. Yeah. So to even get the state that's not even part of the continental US. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. And what's interesting is they have
0: facilities in Oregon, but they also have a facility in New Hampshire. Which hmm. is how we can easily get that beer oh. on, on the East Coast. So they yeah, actually I didn't know truly about that. go from coast to coast.
1: Oh, see, I didn't know about that. I knew about their Oregon facility. I didn't know about their uh, their New Hampshire deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, that so, makes sense then. So they they distribute everywhere. I
0: think it's about thirty six states that they're currently in, which mm-hmm. is which is pretty That's interesting. Pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, man, for the price, I think Kona is one of the most underrated breweries out there and it's because they're never doing promotions you no. never like hear people
1: you know yeah, the screaming kona. from the rooftops <laughs> about kona yeah the kona girls never come through a bar or anything which is kind of a shame they would be like hawaiian girls right exactly
0: <laughs> it would be so great It'd be so much better than corona coming through but their beers are good and generally they're 10 or 11 bucks a six pack great beer for the for the price i tell you yeah Now, I'll tell you another thing that I did over uh, Memorial Day weekend that was pretty cool. I was actually visited one of the new breweries in Pittsburgh, Uh, Couch Brewing. Ah. So Couch is a new brewery that opened up in the east end of Pittsburgh, and their whole moniker is drink comfortably. Now, this is is a brewery that I would recommend that everybody goes to. Janie and I went, my wife and I went, and we had an experience there.
1: (laughs) For better if, or for worse, we had an experience. So, if I had to guess, like, right off the bat, uh, I'm assuming everything is a couch. Like, they do they even have necessarily a bar that to sit at? So, here's the thing, and that was one of the things I was going to bring up. I was actually disappointed when
0: we walked in, because you think with a name like Couch Brewery and a tagline, Drink Comfortably, you go in, they do have a very large bar, and they probably had about 10 beers on tap. Okay. But... The seating area in the bar is very large. It's this old warehouse dock-type building that they bought out in the East End. It's actually very close to East End Brewery. All right. But we go in there, and the majority of the seating was just tables. There were, like, three couches in there. Oh, And I was so disappointed, because Janie and I actually, they had a bunch of board games there, and we wanted to play a game. Right. But we wanted to sit on a couch. Right. And drink the beer, as the name implies. Yeah. But we were stuck to some shitty plastic (laughs) table that they had set up (laughs) by one of the walls. And I was like, wow, I
1: I feel like I'm almost getting gypped by not getting to sit on a couch here. Did you, like, did you ask... Anybody? Like, are they trying to get more couches? Because when I think about it, I'm actually thinking it's almost supposed to be more like a hookah den. Yeah. Like, how, like, they're usually just filled with pillows and couches and, like, little floor tables you can sit at if you want to. That's That's what I'm picturing. Yeah, that's kind of what we were picturing as well going in. And that's not what happened? And that's not what it was. All right. But the reason I want everybody
0: to check this place out is because it's one of those breweries you have to go to and you have to form your own opinion for better or for worse. Okay. It's just it doesn't have the same atmosphere, the same environment of any other brewery in Pittsburgh. Oh,
1: okay. It's just
0: different. All right. <laughs> and different sometimes can be great. Yeah. Different sometimes can be bad, and sometimes different can just be different. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's one of those breweries that I'd recommend getting out to, trying their beer, and forming an opinion for yourself. I actually had a three pepper beer when I was there, as well as an IPA on nitro. Oh, neat. Yeah. So that was great. Uh, They're definitely experimenting with some different styles. They got... You know, some nitro beers that's, that they're uh, that they're promoting, and uh, very reasonably priced, and I would definitely recommend that everybody check it out. Definitely not my favorite brewery in Pittsburgh, I'll say that, but at the same time, it's one that everyone should see, and kind of form an opinion for yourself.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I- I'm still interested in going, and upon your recommendation that everybody should go, I'll still go, <laughs> so I guess we're good with that. Um, I mean, I guess kind of a motto on this show is drink local. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, even if you haven't tried it yet, if you're not on the fence about it, still go try it out, and it might be your new favorite place. It might not. It's it's worth a shot, nonetheless. I mean, right. when a Pittsburgh
0: brewery opens up, if you're a craft beer fanatic, you, you gotta try go. yeah, You've you gotta go. Yeah, you
1: gotta try it out, just to just to try it out. That's the beauty about Pittsburgh right now is there are so many different options all the time. Even if you wind up settling down into, like, your favorite place or your local place, like, your local local place, (laughs) as, like, Spoonwood and Hitchhiker are local for you. Right. You know, still go out and see the other new places that are coming out. Absolutely. See what they got. Absolutely. So did Couch have any Gozas there? No. Okay, so maybe we should get back to the Goza we are drinking then.
0: Let's go back to there now. <laughs> 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 nice segue, Esteban. Nice segue. Uh, it. <laughs> so yeah, what did you uh, what did you think of this? So to remind everybody, we're drinking the Outrevase, which is the
1: Sierra Nevada cactus grapefruit goza beer. what did you I, think? I'm a big fan of this beer. I'm not always the biggest fan of gozas, but I really like this one. It's so smooth drinking, and it's so it's fruity without being overly sweet and it's sour without being overly sour like i'm not puckering my lips or anything right like that grapefruit taste doesn't come through a whole lot it's just enough because again i'm also not a fan of group grapefruit i'll never eat a grapefruit by itself but there are a few grapefruit beers that i'll have and this is one of them this is really good
0: yeah i agree i'm i'm enjoying this as well this is very flavorful it's not overly sour it's not too sweet at 4.5%, you can drink multiples of these, yeah. and it's just a very nice Goza-style ale. Here's how I kind of picture this. when I, I remember watching cartoons as a kid, and one of the things I remember is, I don't know if this was the Looney Tunes or probably not Ninja Turtles, but maybe something along those lines, Rescue <laughs> Rangers or something like that, where somehow these characters would be stuck in a desert, and they'd be on the brink of dehydration. Oh, okay, yeah. And they'd come across a cactus, and their only way to survive is to stick a straw in that cactus and start sucking out the juices. <laughs> and honestly, that's, now I know what they were sucking out. <laughs> it was a Sierra Nevada base. Oh, that's and, what they were going for. And not only were they rehydrating, but they were also getting drunk at the same time. Which that's was what the they part, didn't tell us. Which was all they needed to get back to their home. That's what they didn't tell us exactly so that's kind of what i'm picturing is for this because i see the cactuses on the bottle and i'm like wow that's a-
1: that sounds about right yeah if i had a recommendation for this beer it would be to pair it like while you're at a like a cookout or anything while the meat is grilling you usually have like some fruit salad or some watermelon mm-hmm. you know before while you're waiting for hot dogs and hamburgers pair that with you know, your kind of fruit intro dish mm-hmm that like the ultra vase would go great with just like a big slice of watermelon that's oh. all i can think of right now <laughs> yeah it would it would be a very nice complimentary beverage to that yeah. watermelon yeah just a little bit of sourness to go with like that juicy sweetness of a watermelon yeah absolutely sounds
0: like steve and i would recommend this beer yes <laughs> And I have to I have to preface this with saying I'm generally not the hugest fan of Sierra Nevada beers, but this is one of the best ones that I've tried. And what's nice about this, no matter where you're listening from today, you're gonna to be able to find this beer. Sierra Nevada distributes all across the country. The Otravase is a great summer style Goza, and you're really gonna like it, I feel, if you give it a shot. All right, that's our first beer for segment one. We're gonna be coming right back at you here in a few minutes. We'll be back with segment number two and a new goza for you to try. So let's goza to break, Esteban. nation and as you know what goes around comes around hey and what we are going to do now is we are gozaing right into our next beer and as you know the beer theme of the day is of course goza
1: beers so steve why don't you introduce this next beer for us so the next beer coming our way is the abita brewing to goza and it's a key lime and sea salt sour. So we're going from cactus to key lime. Nice. Yes.
0: Nice transition.
1: Yes. Uh, it's coming at 4.1%. And uh, beta Brewing is, of course, out of Louisiana. On the back label here, we have a little thing, a little blurb. It says, in New Orleans, to-go cups. So we know all about the the to-go cups. (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
0: To-go cups are a staple in the Pittsburgh community when you're walking to the bar, when you're coming home from the bar, when you're out at a tailgate.
1: Well, I was meaning also when we went to New Orleans, we had to-go cups everywhere, too.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's true.
1: I guess to-go cups can really be used anywhere. (laughs) Anywhere that they'll let you. Uh, But anyway, to-go cups mean the fun doesn't have to stay inside the bar. Uh, to goza. Is the beer's refreshing take on traditional Goza beer, a slightly salty and sour style? Brewed with uh, wheat and barley, as we've mentioned before, German pearl hops, key lime, and coriander and salt, as we also have expressed before, as a staple of the Goza style. Right,
0: because we know that Gozas have to have the coriander and the sea salt to be a true Goza, otherwise, you might just be a sour, and you don't want to be that.
1: No. Or well, maybe you do. Maybe. Who knows? See what you're going for. Yeah, exactly. So let's pop the top on this baby here. Let's go, I want to drink this beer.
0: <laughs> now this is an interesting name for a beer, and a whole a whole interesting concept that Vita is going for because they're really essentially encouraging people to drink on the streets.
1: Well, I mean, again, right? yeah, but again, that's part of the culture of New Orleans. Even though we're getting this beer in Pennsylvania, it's not necessarily them encouraging us to go out on the streets, but they're encouraging everybody else who knows about a to-go cup to go out on the streets.
0: Ah, I gotcha. Yes. That's a good point to call out, because although
1: we sometimes do it here in Pittsburgh, it's probably frowned upon. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of Abita's beers are centered around New Orleans culture, too. Yeah. Like, they have the... uh, uh, what was it? The, the Mardi Gras Maybach, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. And then the Louisiana... They have a Louisiana Spice that's supposed to be like Old Bay. Yeah, they got that turbo dog,
0: too, which really brings about the New Orleans culture of, you know, taking dogs off the street and start,
1: strapping rocket launchers to... Or uh, rocket <laughs> jetpacks to their back and sending them down the street at faster-than-light speeds. I mean, that's true. Like, anybody who's been down in New Orleans has seen a dog launch. <laughs> right, exactly. Jetpacks are just in abundance down there yeah all right so let's look at this beer well it's got almost like a pink
0: hue to it definitely and... darker i think but just by a little bit than the last one yeah yeah it's
1: definitely darker not as clear either no definitely not as clear not as much carbonation no mm. off the nose there's a real pungent smell coming from it
0: yeah i'm actually smelling the sea salt yeah it's coming through the nostrils it's actually clearing my sinuses
1: up a little <laughs> bit here which is really nice helping you out
0: thanks abita to
1: yeah, um, I don't need Claritin anymore. <laughs> if I'm throwing a phrase out, I'm going to say beer ocean? Yeah, it smells like a beer ocean. <laughs>
0: Wood. Yes. Just like if you were in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, sitting on <laughs> the Jersey shore, on the <laughs> rocky beach, while stray dogs wander around you, just enjoying this beer while looking at the ocean. I'm exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry! <laughs> Alright, should we take a sip? We should.
1: Oh, Wow. That is not what I was expecting from the taste. Me either. (laughs) So I guess maybe we should preface this in that we're not the biggest fans of Obita and their brewing. Not everything comes real high recommended from us by them, but this is changing me? I'm not going to say it's changing me,
0: but I enjoyed my first sip and I want to go back to it. Yeah. I forgot as we were smelling it and we got those pungent salt notes coming out of the top, I almost forgot that this was a key
1: lime style Goza. That's what I, yeah, I forgot about that too. And, and then I take a sip and it's like the key lime
0: pie is seeping out onto my tongue.
1: Yeah. The, the real pungent smell kind of like threw me for a loop. I was thinking, oh, it's definitely a beat of beer. This might be a little harsh, mm-hmm. but on taste, it's not harsh at all. No, it's actually pretty good.
0: And on the back end, it's a bit sour, mm-hmm. which is nice to taste because yeah. in the traditional goza style, that's what it was. It was, you know, it has some of those sour flavors to it.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, I think we're enjoying this so
0: far. Let's let's keep enjoying it. Yeah. And maybe while we keep enjoying it, let's uh let's dive into the world of gozas a little bit more. Okay. Because that's exactly what I want to talk about. Because the Goza is a very interesting style of beer. Because it is one of those old world styles that has been around for a long, long time. And it actually started in a town called Gosler, Germany. And what's interesting, as we mentioned before, the coriander and the salt are what traditionally make up the Goza beer. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things is where that flavor, where those, you know, kind of beer notes came from. When this beer was originally brewed, some of the water that was used near the breweries, actually, the presence of salt in that water caused the saltiness. So it may not have even been a flavor that they were necessarily striving for, Mm -hmm. but something that they kind of ended up with.
1: Yeah, I like this style dates back, like you said, back to the 1700s, so we're talking... Pretty insular communities mm-hmm. as far as like when they're brewing. So, this one's coming out of that Gosseler, Germany, and like they just had to use the water they worked with, which was actually from the Goza River. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's named after the river they came out of, and the river had all the salinity. Yeah. That gave this its flavor. And a lot of
0: that sourness was generally due to probably spontaneous fermentation, mm-hmm. which is the style that you would usually find in a a sour beer. So, you know, when you think about a beer that you've had that was a sour that may have been brewed with wild yeast, you know, some of that spontaneous fermentation that you just get out of nature is what would actually give it the sourness
1: of the beer. Yeah, from the little bit of research I was able to do, um, I I was reading that, you know, it it had its roots in this Gosler, Germany, and it became such a popular style that, like, it started getting sent out to... Other communities, mm-hmm. and then eventually uh, Leipzig, which is a town in Germany that's about a hundred miles away from Goslar, they started brewing their own version of the gose, hmm. and that's when they started adding salt because obviously they weren't getting the same river. Water. Sure, that's interesting. Yeah, so that that's kind of how the style became not necessarily using salt water, but using but throwing salt into you know the brew. Hmm. Yeah, and what's
0: what's interesting about that is. That now when other towns started to discover this style and kind of craft it into their own by using some of these salts, some of these other ingredients, there was actually Goza houses that were popping up around Germany. Um, And these were generally around the early 1900s where you would go to an ale house and that's what you would get. Mm. You would get Goza's. And there might be, you know, various kinds, because when you think about it, you know, the Goza, in its earliest form, is almost made by nature. Yeah, really it is. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because it was, you know, the salt came from the water that it was brewed with, and, you know, the fermentation was generally spontaneous using wild yeast that you'd find in nature. And sure enough, a style of beer is born.
1: Yeah, and, and technically the original the original original recipe would have fallen into those German purity laws being that they weren't adding salt to the salt water in the river it was already in there mm-hmm. so they're they're not pulling away from those purity laws of just water barley hops mm-hmm. and yeast
0: and and one of the crazy things about
1: this beer is as it it became so
0: popular in the early 1900s but then, when World War Two and the Cold War hit, this beer actually, you know, due to kind of Germany being involved in those wars. <laughs> Were they involved? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Did
1: some things happen in
0: Germany? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Germany was involved in World War Two. <laughs> Read a book. <laughs> if you've ever taken a history class, you know Germany was involved in World War II. But due to some of their involvement, you actually saw this style of beer almost almost become extinct because it disappeared um, during World War II. And then after that, it was very, very sporadic, very hit or miss. And you kind of saw those Goza houses go away. Mm-hmm. It was when Germany really started to thrive again in the late 80s where Leipzig you know, started producing and kind of reintroduced the Goza to Germany as well as, you know, Europe.
1: Mm-hmm. My history is a little more different than I got, the little the story I got. But it, it kind of follows the same way. Like in the 60s, it pretty much died out from, uh, I think there was just one brewer left called the Wurzler uh, Brewery. Okay. And it was in just one guy who had the recipe. He passed it down to his stepson and then his stepson... Like, went out of business. And it pretty much went extinct in the 1960s. And from, this is coming from the beer bible, actually. But uh, a, a man by the name of Lothar Goldhan, he, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but decided to resurrect this style. And he sought out the last remaining recipe, or the last employees of the Wurzler Brewery. And he got all their information that they had and brought, brought it back in the 80s, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, so it, you not think... necessarily
0: contradictory, but no, no, complementary. No no, no, no,
1: it's just a little more information as to what you, yeah, what yeah. you were saying.
0: This style is certainly being invigorated here mm. in America today, and and American breweries are, are really kind of taking the Goza style and and putting their own twist on it, and although they're maintaining. The, the true style of brewing with coriander and, you know, that sea salt. They're also now introducing different fruits,
1: herbs, yeah. spices, things like that to give it a little bit different of a taste. Well, I mean, for, through two beers already, we've gone from cactus to <laughs> key lime pie. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, people are definitely putting their own uh, twist on it. I think, I think though, the, the, the number of craft breweries that are bringing out their own Goza style is kind of a testament to wanting to make sure these recipes don't go extinct mm-hmm. you know the the fact now that so many you know craft breweries have their own you can say oh well if that goes away we still have Sierra Nevada's or <laughs> if somebody else bails out and doesn't do it goes anymore we still have gozas over here so I think the recipe has been propagated enough that mm-hmm. it, it probably won't disappear like it almost did yeah absolutely and
0: it seems like they're really trying to preserve the style. Mm-hmm. And what what I like about the Gozas, and this might just be my own jaded opinion, but where I see the Gozas being produced are truly in your microbreweries. Mm-hmm. You don't see mass-produced uh, Gozas from breweries, you know, that are owned by Inbev. No, not not so much. No, not that I
1: can think of. And
0: and I'm sure there's some out there, but yeah. you know, you really think about these these craft breweries that are bringing back a very old world style yeah and they're doing it while maintaining the tradition of the Goza but putting their
1: own twist on it yeah. which is
0: very interesting I think
1: and I think that kind of stretches across all styles as mm-hmm. well like I mean you're seeing a lot of people trying to do Kolsch's and Berliner Weisses, and those are both you know very old styles. Mm-hmm. I think the Berliner Weisses. Equally as old as a goza, mm-hmm. so everybody wants to have have their old world style, but also put a new twist on it and have their own kind of flavor intake mm-hmm. and take on things. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of choices out there. There's a lot to explore,
0: and that's you know that's really the beauty of craft beer, and that's yeah. what's so exciting about it is that you know breweries have the knowledge, and they're taking what other people have done in the 1700s and yeah. and, and, and and bringing really, it back for us bringing it back for us because <laughs> yeah. obviously we were not alive back then no. <laughs> but now we are and right. now is our time to drink the beer <laughs> now's our time so this is the beer we have to drink and this is the beer we have to drink today in our time and one of those beers is of course the Abita to goza so let's circle back to this beer now that we've learned a little bit more about Gozas and, and, and take a second look at this. Now that it's warmed up, now that we've
1: had a few more sips. Steve, what do you think? You know, I I still really like the flavor, but man, is that nose so it's it's almost offensive to me. Like it's so pungent up front. But I, I really like the taste on it.
0: See to me this is the nose is not offensive because when I stick my schnoz in there and I smell all those sea salt notes coming out of there and it maintains that old world style and that that, that true goza beer for me and then i taste it and i can taste the twist Uh. that abita has put on it and i'm like wow i still taste you know those notes but i'm also getting that key lime flavor just you know right up in my palate immediately as soon as i drink this beer Mm -hmm. it starts at the tip of my tongue and goes all the way to the back on the aftertaste and i really like that
1: i think it's a very very good drinkable beer yeah i guess it's just so much of like a 180 for me because like on the nose it's it's very salty and you expect something else but like you said right up front it's all that key lime flavor that's really great and it's just such a again it's very even drinking like the ultra vase i i just don't like the nose so much that's mm-hmm. all hey to, to each their own And I'm looking at the bottle right now, and I
0: can't remember if we mentioned this earlier, but it's only at 4.1%, which is actually less than Mm -hmm. your stereotypical light beer like a Miller Lite. It's it's now a lower ABV,
1: but the flavor is just
0: so much more.
1: Yeah, I could definitely, like, even though I'm not a fan of the nose, I could definitely see myself drinking multiples of them. It would just be like a delayed reaction of like, uh, oh, uh, oh. Like I like this, I don't like this, but I like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely am enjoying this beer. I tell you what, it's 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 there for me. It's it's
1: very, very
0: enjoyable. And when I see this, sometimes I think about, hey, is this almost like I'm drinking a margarita in a glass because it's got the
1: sea salt, it's got the lime. You know, strictly, but it doesn't taste anything like tequila. Well, have you even had one of those Bud Light or Lime or whatever? I can't say I've drank a full one, but I've had sips. Okay. And they're disgusting. Yeah. Absolutely foul. If you're looking for something along the lines of a margarita and you want, like, an actual good lime flavor and everything, this is the way to go with the the, the Abita togoza Those Bud Light Limeritas are, uh, god-awful. <laughs> This has about 10 pounds less of sugar in it mm-hmm. than a limerita. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs>
0: You're capturing the flavors using traditional brewing ingredients versus just a mass amount of sugar. <laughs> and rotting your teeth out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But people drink those maritas because I think they're like 8
1: or 9%. Yeah. They're uh, very strong. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely there to get you screwed up. If but this they're is, very disgusting. Absolutely.
0: It's one of those hold your nose. And.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. So that is the Abita to Goza. It's the Key Lime Goza that we tried today on the show. And that is segment two for you folks. So we are Goza-ing away for just a couple of seconds. And then we'll be right back with segment three. And we got one more Goza to Goza. All right, we'll see you soon.
1: Steve and I are back and we are ready to goza. Uh, eh? Do you like my lead-ins? I like these em. segments. You got the lead-ins, and I'm just wondering how many if anybody wants to keep a counter how many times we've used a goza pun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Alright, so here's my challenge to you, Hop Nation. What you gotta do right now is you gotta restart
0: this episode, and what you have to do is every time I give a goza pun, or if Steve does, you have to take a drink. If you're listening to this at work, take a drink of coffee, take a drink of water, take a drink of beer, whatever you have by you that uh, that you can drink, drink it whenever I give a Goza pun. So turn this podcast into a drinking game.
1: Ready, set, Goza.
0: Yeah, <laughs> all right. So we will Goza into our third beer of the day, and this is a beer from a brewery that we are very familiar with here on the show and one that we all know and love. Uh And that is, of course, Flying Dog from Baltimore, or excuse me, Frederick, Maryland. Uh And this beer comes straight to us from Flying Dog's Heat Series. And this is actually the Cherry Bomb Goza. And the Cherry Bomb Goza is an ale brewed with hot peppers and cherries. So no key lime this time and no cactus. We are bringing the heat and drinking the Cherry Bombs. So this is a sweet cherry meets its pepper counterpart, both balanced by a traditional Goza tartness. It's the perfect trifecta to find, according to the Flying Dog bottle. So this beer is going to come in at 4.7%, and according to the heat scale that Flying Dog has put on this bottle, it's about halfway up, so we should be able to taste the spiciness. Halfway up the what? (laughs) Halfway up the scale. Look. (laughs) It's a little thermometer scale,
1: and it's halfway up. It's not a scale when there's nothing to reference it against.
0: Flying Dog doesn't care. It just shows a little scale, and it shows the red meter going about halfway up the scale.
1: Thermometer's at half. Yeah,
0: thermometer's at half, so take that that as you will. But yeah, it's going to be the Cherry Bomb Goza, and uh, we're going to have a little something spicy to complement the sweeter beers that we've tasted earlier in the show.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested in this because we're... Getting spicy. It's we're mixing styles now because as we were talking already, the Goza is a very old world style. Pepper beers seem to be new.
0: They definitely are. And Flying Dog has really been embracing that with their Heat series. They've they've probably put out, I would say probably almost ten, maybe twelve pepper beers at this point. They I'd have agree quite with that. a few.
1: Yeah, they have they definitely have a quite a few. I mean, I know it's four brand new ones this year as compared to what they had last year, so Mm-hmm. And everyone that
0: I've tried has been pretty
1: damn good. Definitely building that profile.
0: So this beer almost looks like a rosé type wine. Yes, it does. It has a nice reddish pink hue to it.
1: Some nice carbonation, decent head
0: retention. It looks like I just poured a rosé for us.
1: Yeah, it really does. I mean, if it weren't for the head on the beer, <laughs> I would think it's rosé. <laughs> Which is something we will probably never drink on this
0: show. Or it's, maybe a Shirley Temple. A, yeah, Shirley Temple maybe. Let's <laughs> take like a
1: sniff. Now this has a very uh, mellow smell to it. Um, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of salt note, but I'm not getting a whole lot of, I don't know, overpoweringness to it.
0: Yeah, n- not a lot of spiciness, but you can smell It stings the nostrils just a little bit. A little tad
1: yeah nothing nothing seems to be overpowering each other in the in the nose Mm-mm. i'm gonna have a taste i was gonna say let's
0: just dive right in now that to me is a balanced beer it it's really, a little bit sweet up front yeah and it hits you with spiciness in the back
1: what do you think it's definitely doing some sort of balancing act <laughs> <laughs> i and it's doing it well that's a very interesting beer i'm I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of cherry and a big fan of peppers, so I'm definitely enjoying what it's doing. It's like if you were on the playground as a little kid
0: and you were on the seesaw with your buddy. And remember how you tried to perfectly balance each other out so mm-hmm. that nobody's feet hit the ground and you were kind of just teetering in midair? Yeah. <laughs> That's what the heat and the sweet are trying to do in this beer.
1: Yeah, they're definitely doing it. I'm like, As far as other Goza elements, uh, like... It, it's not terribly sour to me, and I'm not getting anything else that kind of points it out as a Goza, but I'm definitely getting these cherry and, uh, you know, heat notes.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a def- definitely a different style of Goza than we have tried so far. But, hey, that's one of the unique things about the Gozas. As we talked about in the last segment, you know, the American breweries have really tried to take that old-world style and, and tie it in with a new-world twist. Yeah. I like it. I'm gonna to continue to enjoy this beer throughout the segment.
1: Yeah, I definitely like this too. The the kind of pepper back end. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'm getting. I'm actually getting a little bit of sour back end now too. Are you? Yeah, just a little tiny hint of like a a sour salt. Okay. With with the pepper, but like the pepper comes in and like it continues to stack as you drink it. Like it gets a little bit hotter every time you take another sip. Okay.
0: I I haven't gotten that yet. The pepperness is just kind of lingering in the back of my throat. Mm -hmm. It's good, though. So let's continue to drink this, and maybe if it warms up a little bit, we'll start to, uh, you know, some new flavors will start to seep out of it and into our mouths. But in the meantime, Esteban, what are we doing next here for segment three? Let's do something a little different, something we haven't tried before.
1: Well, I think maybe we could just talk about something that's a little fun and a little near and dear to our hearts as it combines two things that we love. Yeah, what's that? games and beer. Vigigames? <laughs> games and beer.
0: Oh, man. I bet a lot of people out there listening right now like video games.
1: I bet so, too.
0: And different styles of video games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're already announced yourself as like a classic gamer in previous episodes. Absolutely. I think your range is like 1984 to 2001. I think that's when N64 stopped making games. <laughs> yeah, and that's about when I stopped buying games. Yeah. <laughs> Mario till
0: I die. Yeah. Old school Mario. 64 pixels, that's it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> whatever. 64 bits.
0: <laughs> 64 bits.
1: <laughs> yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, I'm more of a modern gamer. I play a lot of PlayStation and everything nowadays. But uh, something that we both love equally. Is the barcade? Ah, oh, I
0: love the barcade. That is one of my all-time favorite places to go. Whether that's here in Pittsburgh or in any other city, I love the barcade. I can never
1: get tired of a place like that. No, I think it's nice because we actually have we have two mm-hmm. like that we can think of right off the top of our head, and I've heard of a third, but I'm not. I can't confirm that it's a bar. So. So for those those that may
0: not know, the Barcade is essentially a place where you can go, and you can drink beer, and you can play a whole boatload of video games. And generally, the Barcade is made up of classic arcade games Mm
1: -hmm. that you can play for free. Now, the two we have in Pittsburgh aren't necessarily bars, but you can bring beer into them. They're pretty much BYOB arcades. Right. (laughs) And that's that's great in itself. Uh, Of course, we're talking about Games of Net down on the south side and Victory Point. And also down on the south side. Mm-hmm. And both of those places are great. They're stocked with some classic games. Victory Point is a little bit different in the fact that it's not all just classic arcade games, but there's a lot of strange Japanese imports that they've found. Yeah. And then they have an upstairs where you can play every system that's available right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what's
0: so much fun about these places. Whether you're you know, in Pittsburgh or out and about... Um, and, you know, in other locations, if you're in out in Columbus, they have that place called 8-Bit. Is it 8-Bit or 16-Bit? I couldn't remember. I think it's 8-Bit. Okay. Uh, Chicago, I know we've been to one. I've been to one down in Dallas, Texas. Uh, they have them all over the place. And we actually, on my bachelor party, went to one in New Orleans. Right. I can't remember what it was called. It was it was, like,
1: that one was literally called the Barcade. The Barcade. Yeah, which is, like, that's actually a chain. Yeah. The Barcade, Yeah. Is that what you went to in Texas as well? Because I uh, think they extend out there. Yeah,
0: maybe that was it Okay, since it was all in the South. But
1: yeah. I just love going to those places
0: because you find those old school arcade games. And it's not just the ones from when you were a kid. Like for us, you know, that generation would be the Ninja Turtles, the yeah. Simpsons, the X-Men, things like that. But you also find those classic games from your parents' generation. The Donkey Kongs, the mm-hmm. Pac-Man, the Asteroids, the Centipede. Things like that and you can play them in their true arcade form in those giant
1: cabinets. Yeah. Yeah, I know games in that they have they have a lot of the classic cabinets and they're dedicated to the game. But they also have the other cabinets that emulate and have just like a hundred and fifty different games mm-hmm. from that era that you can but you can still play them all and they're all for free.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Oh, man. I remember going down to games and playing... You can play on a cabinet, the original
1: Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> like, awesome is that? Like, that's a Nintendo game. I never really remembered it in a, you know, an arcade cabinet.
0: And I, I don't know if it was ever originally in an arcade cabinet. Maybe it was modified for that specific bar.
1: Well, okay, so I don't think it was ever originally in an arcade cabinet. But I have this old memory... Of growing up, and my mom was a, was a youth minister for a church. Mm-hmm. And near that church was a Fox's Pizza. And she used to go get Fox's Pizza for her youth ministry group. Okay. Before youth ministry class. In the Fox's Pizza was an arcade cabinet. And it had a whole bunch of Nintendo games on it. Mm-hmm. So it had Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Mario's uh, Super Mario Brothers the original, and that it, un, original unbeatable N- Ninja Turtles game. <laughs> Like, not the not the fun arcade game, but that crap one that was top-down. <laughs> oh, yeah, the original Nintendo. Yeah, that impossible piece of
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. That was the worst game ever made. It was impossible to beat, yeah. as were most Nintendo games. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's crazy. And, and that's what I like about those places. You can go from that, but then you can go and also play... The new Mario Kart, mm-hmm. you see that in places, and that game generally sucks. Like, I you think Mario Kart is a racing game would be awesome, but it's really not. Like, I'd no. take, take old-school Cruising USA or Hydro Thunder over new-school Mario Kart. Well, Hydro Thunder is the best. Hydro Thunder truly is the best, although I think Arctic Thunder gives it a run for its money. Being on a jet ski is pretty fun, too. Okay, so if it it's a snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, I guess. Wait, what's jet ski? Jet ski's water.
1: But there was a jet ski one, wasn't there? there? No, there's a there. There there are jet ski games, but the Hydro Thunder would have been boats, and Arctic Thunder is all snowmobiles. uh, That's all snowmobiles. The best thing about um, Arctic Thunder, and it's rare to find it, but the original ones. When they work, they had, like, air conditioners. Yeah, they
0: blow in your face. Yeah,
1: like, yeah, yeah. Like, you were, were
0: truly riding through the tundra.
1: Yeah, you rarely see the ones that work anymore with the actual, because I guess it costs too much power or whatever. But, <laughs> but those were fantastic when you actually get blasts of cold air up in the face.
0: Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, what's great, too, aside, aside from the fact that, you know, the video games and those consoles and those cabinets are, are, are there and they're ready for you to play, is the fact that generally when you go into one of those places, as long as you're buying the beer and you're in there, they're free to play. Yeah. Which is incredibly fun because at that point, you know, you're drinking beer. You don't want to be running back and forth to the coin machine to try to, you know, continue (laughs) your game. Because I have very, very horrid memories of playing The Simpsons in the arcade when I was a kid. And I'd run out of quarters but I'd want to keep up with the game, and I only had 20 seconds left to continue. <laughs> so you're running back to the coin machine trying to get you know some some tokens to finish the game. And there's those people. There's like a line in front of the coin machine. And you right. can't get your tokens fast enough.
1: And then the game will reset. And you'll lose all your progress and all your money. If you got lucky, somebody jumped in on the game while you were gone. Yeah. And then you could come back <laughs> and just pick up where you left off. I know. I feel but, like most of the time
0: that didn't happen. you just lose and have to start...
1: All over. Yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And we've already said like the ones in Pittsburgh are BYOB. But the other ones we've been to, like the one in New Orleans, the Barcade and Chicago Emporium, like they're they have full stock craft beer bars. Yeah. And wow, do they get some great stuff on tap too?
0: Right. They're playing to our audience right yeah. now. <laughs> People like us, Esteban, who yeah. are in our 30s, who miss arcades, right. <laughs> that love craft beer now that we're over 21 and can drink, Yeah. and just want to go there, hang out. We don't want to go to a club. We want to go to a bar, play video games, drink beer, and then just go home satisfied. And they are really capitalizing on that market, and I think for the majority of the bars, it's going really
1: well because when you go into those places they're packed yeah they really are they're packed to the brim and for example like uh, Emporium in Chicago it's not just arcade games it's not just like old pinball games it's not just craft beer pretty sure they also have like stage shows there as well like because when we were there there was like a they it has a pretty punk rock decorum to it yeah a lot of graffiti on the walls and stuff but there's that big room and it has a stage set up. So I'm pretty sure they also bring in, you know, just live entertainment as well. Yeah, why not? I think that's one of the best barcades I've been to, like ever, just because it has everything. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool place. I think one of the other great things about these places are they definitely understand the decorum that we're looking for Mm -hmm. when we go in there. Like I said, Emporium has a real punk rock flavor to it and 16-bit out in Columbus. that's It is 16-bit. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was 8-bit. Nah, it's 16-bit. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, 16-bit out in Columbus, their walls are, like, adorned with, like, pictures of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, (laughs) like, just all kinds of stuff from the 80s that we would have grown up with, and they also have a drink list that, not just beer, but they have, like, homemade cocktails that all have, like, these weird 80 flair to it as well. Oh, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Didn't one of them have a Slim Jim in it? Yeah, they had a Macho Man Randy Savage drink that had a Slim Jim in it, and they had a Hulk Hogan drink that had uh, one of those red, white, and blue bomb pops because he's a real oh, American. Yeah, real American. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah, th- these places are a whole lot of fun. I can't imagine. Like, is there a state that doesn't have something like this that you could go visit? Or I don't know. I feel like they're still relatively up and coming.
0: They it's definitely quite a... caught on yet, but there's they're starting to become
1: more popular especially in major cities. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely a new business model. It's an appreciated one. Like you're reviving arcades which mm-hmm. have been a dying thing forever. I mean, even Dave and Buster's is fucking trash now. <laughs> Yeah, but that's trash for different reasons. Well, it's trash for a lot of reasons. It used to be cool, you know? It used to have Arctic Thunder. It used to have all the cool stuff that we loved. And now it's just like pay $15 for a garbage steak and $8 for a garbage drink. And you can go into the arcade and play Candy Crush. Yeah, you can play. Or Cut the Rope, which you could also play on your phone. Yeah, play a whole bunch of games that you can play on your phone. Fruit Ninjas in there. Yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah, yeah, Dave & Buster's just
0: really went downhill. But that's 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 probably what has led to some of the
1: revitalizations of these arcades. It has to be. Just like everybody getting sick and tired of Dave & Buster's not catering to what they want. Mm-hmm. People want to play Turtles in Time. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> they don't want to play the new Transformer shooter. <laughs> yeah, definitely great places. Try to find one if you can. yeah. You know, like we said in Pittsburgh, we have games in that and Victory Point. They're not bars per se, but you can bring food. You can, you know, bring booze in, and they they both have food. Yeah, games in that on Friday nights, ten bucks all you can play. You can pretty much play
0: any game in there for free, and just go at it all night. You bring a case of beer. It's a very cheap night. Yeah, Victory Point's the same way. We've bought Groupons. For Victory Point, they were only like 6 bucks. Something like and that, You can yeah. go in there and play all night. And Victory Point's nice, too, because they have all the consoles. Mm-hmm. You can play anything from the original Nintendo all the way up to the PS4. And they've got all the good games. And you can just hang out there with your buddies, play all night, drink your own beer. And it makes for a very
1: fun, affordable, great way to spend a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. Like, even Victory Point, they have... Um, They have board games there as well Mm -hmm. And games in that They have games that aren't necessarily Like they're arcade games but they're not Cabinet games as you'd think because they have like Those basketball shooters Yeah they do have basketball Yeah, They have the basketball games, they have bubble hockey, they have pool Air hockey? Yeah they have air hockey, they have pool, they have ping pong So plenty of fun to find Yeah,
0: Yeah So if you've never checked out one of these places Definitely check it out It's absolutely awesome And if it's not a BYOB establishment, it'll be a bar guaranteed with good craft beer. So even if it is a BYOB establishment, you can bring your own great craft beer in there and just drink it while you play video games. So yeah, regardless of where you are, you're going to be drinking good beer.
1: Yeah, if you're in Chicago, check out Emporium. That's one of the best. If you're in Columbus, check out 16 Bit. If you're down in the South, I guess Barcade is pretty popular all around. Texas and Louisiana and all them. And if you find yourself near a Dave & Buster's, look harder for something better. <laughs> if you're in Dave & Buster's, ask directions to a barcade. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Let's get back to this Cherry Bomb Goza from Flying Dog. As part of their Heat series, this is probably the most unique Goza we've tried all night because mm-hmm. it adds a brand new spicy pepper flavor to the style. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm really digging on this beer. I like the, I like the heat that it adds. And I like the cherry flavor. I think it's a very interesting take on the style. And I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. As, as I mentioned before, I like it too. And I, I like that it's so balanced. The
0: sweetness and the spiciness are just in perfect compromise in your mouth
1: at every sip. Yeah. I, I want to say that they're fighting for attention, but in the way that's good. Like, they're not overpowering each other just kind of struggling in your mouth <laughs> yeah they struggle struggle a little bit
0: but on the back end they're hugging it out yeah're really happy to be going down your throat yeah <laughs> you know I really feel bad for for Adam missing this episode because I feel like he would have really enjoyed all of these beers we have had nothing on this show that would wreck his palate
1: you know what yeah I feel kind of bad that we did do the goza episode while he was Gazon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wah. wah, wah. Uh-oh.
1: Drink. If you're still playing the drinking <laughs> game, drink. Steve said goes is on. Uh-huh. So I guess uh, it's probably about time we put them on the podium. You want me to go first? If you want to. If All you're right. ready. See, I don't know if I'm ready because here's the
0: thing. I think of every episode that we've done so far, I've liked these three beers the most. I feel like every other time I've had a known winner and then maybe two other beers vying for second and third. Okay. But this episode, each beer has been so unique, even though they are brewed in the same style. Right. Yeah, and that's very true. I've really, really enjoyed
1: all of them. Yeah, we've definitely run a different spectrum We're Yeah, remain, while remaining in the same style. So this is a very, very tough decision for me, but here, well,
0: here's how I'm okay. you ready? You're right? I am okay. ready. Okay. Here's, here's how I'm gonna throw them out on the podium. All right. In third place, I gotta go with the oatre vase, which honestly going into this episode, I did not think that that one would be last. I really like the sweetness that the cactus gives off, and I really like the grapefruit taste. It maintained the style of the Goza, but why I'm putting it in third is because I didn't get any of that kind of salty flavor in it. Mm. It was a little bit more on the sweeter side, which still was a great beer, but thinking about the true form of the Goza and how neck and neck all of these beers were, I'm going to put that one in third place because I think it was it strayed farthest from the true form of the Goza. Okay. Although I would drink it again, excellent beer. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'm going to put the Abita Tagoza. I was pleasantly surprised by this beer, and I thought that that one was very, very delicious. Uh, the key lime was such a nice complement to the saltiness of the smell. You smelled it. It was salty. You tasted it. It was. It had that key lime flavor to mm-hmm. it, and overall, it just balanced out so nicely in your mouth. It was a very, very nice take on Abita's beers. Because generally, as we mentioned before, Steve and I don't love those beers, but this one, I could see myself drinking again. I really, really enjoyed it. And then last in, last beer of the day, but in first place, I have to put the Cherry Bomb Goza. I love pepper beers. They are one of my favorite styles of beers. And this Goza was was perfect to me. The way that the saltiness and the spiciness balanced out in your mouth, it, it truly was perfection for me. It was the perfect balance. It was those flavors fighting but then making up at the very end <laughs> and just leaving a very pleasant, pleasant aftertaste in your mouth. And to me, that is exactly what I'm looking for in a Goza and something that I thoroughly enjoyed on tonight's episode. So that's my uh, that's my bronze, that's my silver, that's my gold. So first, Cherry Bomb Goza. Second, Abita de Goza. And third, Sierra Nevada ultravase.
1: How about you, Steve? I'm just gonna deviate a little bit from you in that. Uh, again, I think all three beers were fantastic. I think they're really good. Uh, but in third place, I'd put the uh, Abita Togoza. I just felt that nose was a little too pungent for me to fully enjoy it all the time. But like you said, it has that it has that perfect balance of sweet and salty going on in it. And if I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking it's like a key lime pie with a pretzel crust. It's hmm. an interesting way to put it, but I yeah. don't disagree. Yeah. Like, it just would have that saltiness of a pretzel crust. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it, but the pungent nose kept me from loving it, I guess. So, second place, I'll put the Sierra Nevada Eau Like you said, I it didn't have as much saltiness as maybe you would love to have, uh, as far as, like, style-wise. But it's such a refreshing and fantastic drinking beer that you can have so many of them. Like, that's a, that's a great cookout beer. That's a great tailgate beer. You can have that anytime, anywhere this summer. Mm-hmm. Definitely go with it. Yeah. And uh, so the uh, gold medal I'm going to give to the Flying Dog uh, Cherry Bomb Goza as well. There's so many flavors going on in there. It's so complex. The more I drank it, the more I started to get some of that sour and some of that salt. You know, right before the pepper really kicked in is when I was getting it. It made me enjoy it more with its complexity. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I just, I loved all
0: the beers on this show tonight. It's, yeah. Just the rankings are almost secondary to, to I,
1: all the beers. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty surprised tonight because usually uh, Goza's, they're not my favorite style. And uh, and sours are really, really pushing the limit with me. Like, there's a most sours I don't like. Mm hmm. But, being that most of these were all you know very tame on the sour side that they weren't pushing that limit they were pushing all the other flavors that were going into them mm-hmm. and giving that you know just that slight twinge of saltiness with each of them i you know i i thoroughly enjoyed all of them tonight. yeah so there there you go a uh, hop
0: nation usa drink 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 um yeah, if you uh, if you haven't explored the Goza of definitely check it out. Um, they're flourishing around the country right now. A lot of breweries are getting it on their st- uh, on this style of beer, and they're they're turning it into their own uh, by putting their own little spin on the beer, mm. brewing with different spices, herbs, different flavors, citrus, things fruits. like that, fruits. Uh, and it, it's great. It's, it's a new style of beer for us, especially of our generation, um, but it's something that has a long-standing stra- tradition in the world of craft beer. So definitely go and check it out. Uh, it is fantastic, and if you don't like
1: it, well, there's
0: plenty of other styles out there, so yeah.
1: <laughs> check it out. See what you think. Yeah, definitely check it out. Definitely check out these three beers in particular. I found them all so very even-drinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Steve? We want to give our uh, social media bugs to everybody? Sure. If you're looking for us on social media, you can search Hop Nation USA and that will get you Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can also search Hop Nation USA on SoundCloud and iTunes and you can listen to our episodes there. Uh, if you want to leave reviews on iTunes, uh, five stars would be great. That helps the show grow. And if you want to email us, and this week I want you to email us puns that are better than goza the gozerian <laughs> wow. that's the first ghostbuster reference we've had on this entire show i know which is a shame i, I was sitting
0: on i it. think we screwed up we need to re-record this whole episode
1: <laughs> i was sitting on it i couldn't figure out the best place to inject it i just found it right now but if you can find a better pun than goza the Gozarian, please email us at hopnationusa at gmail.com
0: I wonder if there's a beer out there somewhere by some brewery.
1: It's named Goes to the Gozarian. There there's has to gotta be. has gotta be. Gotta be. I need to find it. I need to look for it. <laughs> Somebody mail us Goes of the Gozarian if you know who brews that. Please send
0: us the beer. <laughs> Put the beer in the mail and send it to USA <laughs> at gmail.com. We will get it some way, somehow. <laughs> somehow. All right, that about does it for episode 13, Hop Nation. So goza out there and have a great weekend. If you're listening to this during a weekday, hey, goza out there and have a great uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day it might be. So, and remember, continue to drink because I keep saying goza. And the more I say goza, the more you have to drink. So goza, goza, goza. I'm goza out of here. You're goza gone. Goza peace. We'll see you next week. Bye.